Little Mind Chats. Minds are little, not our thoughts. I'm your host, Siona. If you're listening to Little Mind Chats for the first time, my podcast is for kids. It's for our generation to realise and be aware of the kind of earth we live in today and the kind we will inherit in the future. I pick one reality-based topic each season and invite experts to speak and educate us about it. Right now, we're in Season 4, Earth and Environment. After topics like biodiversity and climate change, we are now learning more about pollution in our oceans from Hannah Whitby. If you haven't yet heard to part one of this conversation, I'd recommend you to please listen to it. Hannah is an oceanographer and a lecturer at the University of Liverpool, where she teaches marine pollution and environmental chemistry. More specifically, she is a marine biogeochemist, or in other words, she studies oceans and potions. That's a cool phrase. Her work involves studying the chemicals in seawater that are important nutrients or toxicants to the microscopic plants and animals. Her work shows how important it is to know about all the different types of marine pollution, including plastics, metals, eutrophication, deoxygenation, heat waves, oil spills, harmful algal blooms, sewage, PPCPs, climate change and so on. To understand how they affect one another and the marine environment as a whole. I think her profession is super cool and absolutely important for our Earth. Hi Hannah, hope you are doing well. To continue with our conversation... What exactly is the worry if coral reefs disappear? Well, coral reefs are the really important nurseries for juveniles, for baby animals... Um, They also protect other nurseries, so like mangroves and salt marshes. They're like a first line of defense. Um, They they prevent flooding and they protect against tsunamis and storms. And they also support the tourism industry and fisheries. So they, they play a really important role in lots of different coastal areas. But of course, they're also teeming with life. They're some of the most biologically diverse habitats on the planet. Some of the animals that rely on coral reefs are important species medically. So, you know, we we use them in modern treatments for some conditions. So reefs support some really important life that just can't live anywhere else. Now, if you imagine a coral reef, what do you imagine? Do you imagine that it's a warm, colourful, tropical reef, right? Yeah. You can also get get cold water reefs, and they're really important as well. But they're not as... uh, photogenic for the pictures so people always take photos of the tropical one but reefs are really really sensitive habitats they can only survive in quite a narrow range of conditions so um climate change is affecting corals not just through the long-term warming of the ocean but also because it triggers marine heat waves they're becoming more common more intense they last longer and these are really damaging corals to the point where they're struggling to recover and it can also lead to more carbon dioxide dissolving in the water, which makes the water slightly more acidic. And one of the first habitats that is affected by ocean acidification is coral reefs. 
And this is because they're just not as robust as other environments. They're so sensitive. You know, if there's an oil spill, it's a coral reef that's the most affected environment. Oh, so does that mean if there was a coral reef near Israel, does that mean that coral reef would have got uh, affected because of recent oil spill in Israel? Yeah, well, if the oil, if the oil reached the reef, then certainly there's a good chance that it would have been affected. So they're usually the environments that we try to protect as soon as possible. As soon as there's a spill, we obviously want to protect everywhere. But, you know, you, you have to very quickly map out what direction is the oil going to travel in? How do we contain it? How do we remove it as much as possible? And what areas are the most critical to protect? The reefs are high up that list of places to protect. Oh, then that must be a tricky but a life-saving job. But what effects are the garbage and pollution causing to marine life? Well, there's so many different types of pollution with so many different effects that I could talk about that all day, but I won't. <laughs> but some of the main, like the most well-known types that you're thinking of are probably things like the oil spills or the plastics and debris because they have an immediate and visible effect on our favorite animals, you know, the big ones, like the whales, the dolphins, the turtles. So I'm sure you've seen the photos of animals tangled in, in plastic bags or when they cut open and their bellies are full of plastic because they eat these bright, colorful things that they think of food and their bodies can't digest it. It builds up, takes up room in their gut, meaning they can't fit enough of their normal food in, and then they starve. They might also die of toxicity because plastics can carry other pollutants, like chemicals, or the sharp edges could cause internal damage, so... Yeah, I've seen many of these pictures. They are disturbing. And wonder why people still can't stop using plastics. You know, the plastic problem is a travesty of our generation. However, while all litter is a problem, the most significant component of the garbage affecting these animals is actually abandoned fishing gear. So we desperately need to develop new types of fishing gear that is less damaging when it ends up floating in the environment. But the problem with that is no fisherman is going to want to buy biodegradable fishing nets that will break after a month or edible fishing hooks that the fish could happily swallow, are they? So it's a really difficult one to fix, actually. But while we're on the topic, I think it's important to note that there's lots of other types of pollution that most people don't even think about. So... Some of the latest work that we're looking at is what we call contaminants of emerging concern. So that means things that we're realizing are getting serious that we didn't even know was a problem before. And these include cosmetics, cleaning products, drugs and medication, things like that. And they often go hand in hand with other forms of pollution like plastics, because like I mentioned, plastics can carry them out to sea. So recent studies have found you can detect all sorts of different drugs and chemicals in estuaries all around the world. And in fact, I was on a research cruise once where one of my colleagues was measuring pesticides and caffeine to see how far we could detect them offshore. And we were quite shocked to find that we could detect them all the way out to sea, um, not just in the river mouth. Now, Caffeine is only produced by a few key plants on land. We don't know of any species in the ocean producing it. So all of this is coming from people drinking tea and coffee. And then, oh. you know, it goes to the sewage system. It gets treated, but it doesn't remove enough of it. And then it makes it into the ocean. 
So we don't actually know yet how it gets there properly or what effect chemicals like this might be having on the marine life, um, especially on the microscopic or, you know, the tiny plants that we're talking about that are really important. Um, so it's something that we're, we're currently studying. So yes, the garbage and the plastics are a really big pollution, but they go hand in hand with other issues like some of the chemicals that are ending up in these coastal areas. And they really shouldn't be there either. So we need to understand a whole range of different types of pollution. Oh dear, that is really, really bad. Well, despite all of this happening, people, most people are aware enough not to throw plastics and uh, dump whatever is in their hand into the oceans. But why do they still do it, even though they know it's wrong? Well, did you know that after some of the world wars, loads of munitions were dumped in the ocean? So loads of, um, of bombs and uh, bullets and things like that. You can actually find videos of them doing it on YouTube. And these are becoming more dangerous lately because we're reaching a stage now where the metal casings are starting to rust away, exposing the chemicals and the metals on the inside, which are toxic, or they're dangerous for trawlers and dredgers and deep sea cables and things like that. So, you know, dumping in the ocean is something that's happened for a very, very long time. And I think the problem is a mixture of ignorance and negligence, but also a lack of awareness. So, you know, this day and age, like you rightly say, there's so much publicity around the plastic issue that anyone that drops litter or isn't recycling and things, that's inexcusable. But there's other things we could all be doing that would damage the environment that we don't even realise, like I mentioned with the caffeine. So, you know, we wear, we wear sunscreen when we go to the beach because that's what medical professionals tell you. It's absolutely the right thing to do. I'm not saying don't wear sunscreen. You need to protect yourself from the sun. But recently we've discovered that when it washes off in the sea, it has quite a bad influence on the organisms, especially corals and microorganisms that live in the ocean. So there are practical things we can do. So we can make sure it's been really well absorbed into the skin. We can make sure that we wear clothing or use the shade maybe instead of sunscreen if you don't need it or, or to use less than we need. And there's important new research now to try and develop sunscreens that provide the same amount of protection from the sun but are less harmful to marine life than they're washed off. Now, for the time being, there's not much we can do about things like sunscreen because we have to wait for the science to progress to develop these less toxic versions that we can buy. And we need to use this product, so we don't have a choice there. But in lots of areas, we do have a choice we could make. So lots of soaps, shampoos, you know, things that you use around the house, maybe washing up liquid, things you wash your clothes with. All of these can be dangerous to aquatic life. But you can usually find versions that are safe. And what you need to do is look on the back, and there's normally a sticker, and the sticker will say toxic to aquatic life, and it usually has a picture of a dead fish next to a pond and a tree. Now, if it has that sticker on it, think to yourself for a moment, can I buy, find another version that doesn't have the sticker that is safer? And then you can buy that version and know that you're making a small change that is probably helping the environment. And I think they're the issues I'd like to highlight with you and your listeners, because I think they're a bit less well-known than the, the plastic issue. Yeah, that's quite true. Who would have guessed we keeping our homes clean with the wrong kind of chemicals is actually affecting our oceans? 
We've messed up a great deal of things, but is there a plan to clean up this mess in our oceans? Yeah, so, I mean, that's quite a broad question to answer because there's so many different types of of things that you might consider cleaning up. So let's talk about first the visible stuff. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the plastics and the garbage and things like that. And there are some um, solutions to try and clean that up. Um, And at first they seem like a really good idea, but we've got to be really careful here because anything that floats in the open ocean is actually very quickly inhabited by lots of marine life and they are often used as nurseries for baby animals. Uh, because, you know, it's it's safer from predators, they're hidden, things like that. So floating bits of rubbish as well as waste that ends up on the sea floor are really productive hotspots. And if we just go and remove them without thinking about it, we could inadvertently kill or affect lots of the other animals that have started to make them their home. It's also really hard to get to. You know, we've talked about how big the ocean is and it's this big 3D world. And lots of the locations where they do tend to sort of accumulate is in the middle of nowhere. It's really remote. So you'd need massive ships towing massive nets and that would use lots of fuel and it would actually trap lots of the animals as well as the waste. And it wouldn't make that much difference because we're still actually putting, you know, the waste is still on its way into the ocean all the time. So it's not that clear cut. It's a tricky one because we don't want the larger organisms like your turtles and whales to be consuming the litter. But I think for now, what we should do is focus on preventing the waste from getting there in the first place. You know, the litter is still flying down our rivers, flying on the wind, being dropped near the coast every day, all over the world. So one thing we should definitely be doing is cleaning footpaths and beaches and rivers, improving the design of bins, creating new items and packaging that break down when they get into, into nature to prevent the problem in the ocean from getting worse than it already is. Because at the minute, any efforts to clean it are probably futile if we're not preventing more from reaching them in the first place. But, you know, like we mentioned, that's just focusing on one type. That's just the the plastic. There's lots of other types of pollution. And there is legislation out there to to prevent pollution. So it's evolving all the time. There's something called the MARPOL Convention. Now, that's come in since the 70s. And thanks to MARPOL, actually, believe it or not, We've had we've made changes to ship designs and oil tankers over the years, and the num like the amount of oil coming from tanker accidents has massively decreased since the 70s. So we're making really good progress. It's also now illegal to dump anything at sea except organic waste. So you could you know maybe throw your dead fish or food waste overboard, but nothing else. Uh, they must now bring it back to shore. And as of 2019, over 99% of the countries worldwide had signed up to agree to, to the smartphone convention. So that's really, really promising. You know, that is making a big difference. And there are other conventions looking at solutions for land-based sources of pollution as well. So, you know, there's legislation out there. It's just that it's slow to progress. You need everyone to agree and Often, as soon as some kind of legislation is put forward for one type of pollution, you know, if we come up with a solution, um, we realize there's a whole other thing that we've never considered, like the the, uh, the soaps, cosmetics, and the plastics like that. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's continuous. It's something we have to work on all the time, and it's something that all of us can help with. 
Yeah, that's very true. But we don't have time. And even if everybody starts acting now, I don't think we have enough time to clean up all the mess. Well, you know, I suppose you could look at it as in what can we do as opposed to what can't we do. I, I completely agree with you that that this needs to be done quickly. It need, you know, we need more people to put more effort in all around the world. But I always believe that getting out a positive message of like, we can make a difference. Every single one of us can go out and do something. We can, if you see that piece of litter on the floor, you can choose to leave it or put it in the bin. You know, even if it wasn't you that dropped it, you, you can still make those changes all the time. And I think if we convince enough people to act through things like this podcast, then, then we can make a difference. You know, maybe it's too late for the animals that are going to eat the plastic that's already there, but it's not too late for the future animals and the future health of our oceans. But what will our future be like without aquatic life? I think a simple answer here is there will be no future without aquatic life. If something happened that was drastic enough to kill all the life in the ocean, those of us on land wouldn't stand a chance. We'll probably die out long before the life in the oceans died. In some respects, no matter what we do, there will always be some kind of organisms that will adapt and survive even the harshest conditions. But if we want to keep this beautiful balance that we have now, you know, the amazing creatures we have at the moment and the corals, the dolphins, the fish that we eat, then we need to pay attention to what we do in these really sensitive environments. Well, that's very true. And I think everybody should start making a difference now and today. I'm mean, after listening to this episode. I agree with you. Well, what's your advice to my generation? My advice is to remember that every action has a consequence, but we can all make better choices. We can all do positive things to help our planet. It's never too late to change and to make a difference. You know, we mentioned that every time you see something a bit of a on the floor and you decide to pick it up instead of leaving it, then you might be saving a sea creature. Every time you choose to buy something that is not toxic as opposed to the version you originally wanted that was toxic, then you might be helping to, to solve the problem. But every choice you make is changing the world a little bit at a time, and we all need to make the right choices. So never stop learning, never stop caring, appreciate the ocean, and make the most of all the amazing things it has to offer us as a species, and respect it for that. Well, that is something that everybody should do, and without excuse. Some people will be like, oh, I don't have enough money. Oh, I think I'll, I'll, my hands will get dirty. But then that's no excuse to just leave it there and do nothing about it. I agree. We, we all need to take this on ourselves. Back now. Oh my, it was such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for coming in and helping little minds like mine understand so much more about our oceans. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome and thank you. I just love the way Hannah made us aware of things we never thought about before this conversation. Here are some surprising facts I learned from her. Our lifestyles are causing major changes in the climate 
and these changes have direct effect on the first line of defense of our oceans, our coral reefs, long-term warming of oceans, the marine heat waves, oil spills, and even the sunscreen we put on before we enter the beach water are severely damaging these beautiful coral reefs. All along, I've been thinking that plastics were the main pollutants of our oceans, but Hannah mentioned two surprising facts to prove this wrong. First was about the ghost gears or discarded fishing gears being a major source of pollution in our oceans, causing strangulation of aquatic lives. Isn't that sad? I'm sure we could educate our fishermen better to stop throwing the damaged gears into the ocean. And second is that scientists are now realizing that are more damaging things entering our oceans other than plastics. They are cosmetics, cleaning products, and personal care products. These are taken into sea by the plastics we discard. Unfortunately, a lot of us are not even aware of it. While many things we do are polluting our oceans, I think the things that are damaging our oceans most are ignorance, negligence, and lack of awareness. Hannah rightly said, "We cannot clean our oceans right away, but a positive message on what we can do, as opposed to what we cannot do, makes all the difference." We need to aim at keeping trash from entering our oceans. The Marpole Convention, biodegradable plastics, ocean-friendly cleaning products—they are all positive trends emerging slowly. But the greatest positive difference we can make for our aquatic friends is by being more responsible on land. We should take responsibility for our actions and lifestyles. Strive hard to keep our streets clean, so the plastic wrappers from there don't end up in our rivers and oceans. Let's stand up for what we stand on. You could follow Hannah on social media with at Copper Chemist. Please do spread the word about this podcast to all your friends and family. Well, remember it's Mother's Day on the ninth. Of May, and we are definitely celebrating this day with a special episode. If you would like to wish your mom and surprise her, send in your voice messages to Siona at LittleMindChats dot com. The winning three messages will be featured in our special episode. Come on, grab the chance to make the day special for your mom. Before we end this episode, I'd like to remind my listeners that India, the country I'm living in currently, is in deep COVID crisis. I'd like to observe a thirty-second silence for all those who have lost their lives. I hope you will join me for these thirty seconds now.
I would also like to say thank you for all the healthcare workers and other support departments like the police who are risking themselves and working so hard to keep us safe. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks a ton for listening. Bye.